Sandra Parks was 13 years old and now she's dead. How much of this so-called gun violence, though, really is senseless? Uh, 12.34, a different topic. How bad are the Milwaukee public schools? And if they're as bad as the state now says they are, is anybody going to get fired? We're going to 12.53, this uh, romaine lettuce recall news is more proof that journalism is dead. Do not toss out that romaine lettuce. Now, don't eat it. But don't toss it out. I've got a better idea for you. I'm Dimitri, guest hosting today for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. One uh, special thanks to Steve Scafidi. Uh, he has allowed us to use his uh, show producer, a great guy, uh, Jordan Gazaroski. And uh, Steve, thank you very much for uh, for lending him to us. We appreciate it uh, greatly. Let's start with this uh, poor Sandra Parks, this tragedy, this heart-wrenching tragedy. 13-year-old, two years earlier, Sandra Parks wrote this amazing, amazing essay about gun violence. And she uh, wrote, I'm not going to read the whole thing or anything like that, but there's one thing that she wrote. Uh, We must not allow the lies of violence, racism, and prejudice to be our truth. The truth begins with us. You can find this online. It's really quite moving. She wrote it as an 11-year-old, and now she has been taken uh, from us. So I wanted to talk with you about uh, so-called senseless gun violence. The media will have you believe that almost all gun violence is senseless, in this case, you know, with the arrest of uh, two suspects, I suspect that in this case it was senseless, a terrible, terrible tragedy. But I want to talk with you about the big picture, the overall picture. Most gun violence is not senseless. But before we get to that, this was an amazing interview that Hillary had uh, from WESN uh, TV uh, 12. Hillary Mintz, she interviewed a sister of uh, Sandra Parks, uh, Tatiana Ingram. And I want you to really, really listen to this. And then I want to talk with you about the big picture about so-called senseless gun violence. Now, this is the tragic end of it here with this interview. And then um, I want to talk with you about that. I'll give you my phone numbers later and, uh, and all of that. So, uh, Jordan, if you would please uh, play that amazing interview right now for us. How do you process this? I can't, honestly, it's, I can't, I don't even know. I thought I'd have to go through this life living without my mom, with my sister. We didn't always get along, but that was my rock. I loved her. I don't know. You said your mom called you first. Yes. What did she say? She just said, like, Sandra got shot. I started coming and I was on 48th and Hampton and I was on my way down here and she just called me again it was like she gone and she broke on the phone with me. Oh my God. The worst thing on this earth is hearing your mom cry but something like this to somebody like her. Sandra did not deserve this. Sandra was an amazing person. She was so bright. She was so beautiful and full of life. She was so different. I can't see it being another her anywhere. Do you have a message for people who watch this to, about gun violence? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Losing the life of a family, losing your life to going to jail, it's not worth it. Shouldn't nobody have to go through this pain on either side of the family? Because I'm not just, I'm trying not to be selfish about it. Because I know I'm probably not the only one hurting, but he, why? Why indeed? Tatiana Ingram being interviewed by Hillary Mintz on WISN TV. 12. I want to talk with you about so-called senseless gun violence. 
not specifically about this case, because in this case it does appear to be senseless, random, insane, but this the type of heartbreaking tragedy that we hear all too often, and the media says, well, it's just senseless gun violence. There's really nothing we can do about it. I mean, we can march and we can sing, you know, we shall overcome and we can have candlelight vigils and we can have different uh, conversations with people. None of that. None of that works, because if it did, we wouldn't be having this discussion right now. I do have a solution to overall senseless gun violence that could reduce most of it. Not all, but most of it. And I want to talk with you about that next. I'm Dimitri. I am guest hosting, having the privilege to guest host for Jeff Wagner. On WTMJ. At 12.34, I want to talk with you about the Milwaukee Public Schools. Just how bad are they? The state says they pretty much suck, but is anybody going to get fired? And at 12.53, this Romaine lettuce recall, I'm going to suggest to you, don't toss it. Instead, I've got a better solution for you. I'm guest hosting for Jeff Wagner. I'm Dimitri. Thank you so much for joining me here on WTMJ. Sandra Parks, 13 years old, dead, apparently senseless gun violence in this case. But the bigger issue here regarding so-called senseless gun violence, most of the time it's not senseless. I know, I know, I know the media keeps calling it senseless gun violence. Well, first off, it's not gun violence. Guns are inanimate objects. You're obviously dealing with humans who are misbehaving, doing terrible, terrible things. But it's not senseless in most cases. It actually does make sense in a perverse sort of way. Um, the big issue here regarding most of the violence that we have in our country, not all, but certainly more than 50%, I think without a doubt, is connected directly or indirectly to the war on drugs, on drug prohibition. Now, I'm not saying that in this case with Sandra Parks, because again, this terrible tragedy Two people have been arrested and appears to be, have nothing to do with this. But I'm talking big picture stuff here. I absolutely believe, sadly, that most of the gun violence, let's use that term, even though it's unfair to guns, it's, you know, let's hold people accountable, but, but let's just use it for today. It actually makes sense in a pervert, pervert, perverted sort of way because with the war on drugs, drug dealers, anyone in the drug business, who has been slighted, who has been harmed by another drug dealer, um, can't hire a lawyer and sue the other drug dealer. Uh, can't go to the police saying, hey, I had this corner and I was selling drugs, selling weed or whatever, and now somebody came by and you know shot at me or, or killed one of my people and all. Can't go to the cops, uh, can't, uh, can't sue the drug dealer, so what are you going to do? If you want to be in the drug business, and many people do because the profits are so, so tempting, the only justice, if you can even call it that, is street justice, which is violence. And so there's a tremendous, tremendous amount of so-called senseless violence that, in fact, does make sense if you're in the drug business and you can't go to the police, you can't sue, you can't... The only thing you can do, if you want to stay in the business is show them, the, the other guys, that you're just as tough as they are and that you will not be intimidated. So we have all of this insane, insane, senseless shooting of people, innocent people, and not-so-innocent people, but it actually does make sense. So what is the solution? Well, frankly, it's a very easy, simple solution, and more, more importantly, it has been tried and tested and proven effective. Prohibition did not work in the 1920s. We had 
senseless gun violence throughout the 1920s. Most of it connected with the uh, war on drugs at the time, uh, liquid drugs, alcohol, beer, wine, spirits, whatever. When we repealed prohibition in, in the early 1930s, the vast majority of the senseless gun violence went away because the drug dealers of the day, the bootleggers, the, you know, the Al Capone gangs and all that, the alcohol gangs, uh, no longer uh, were able to, um, uh, well, let me rephrase this, uh, they now could not compete with the liquor stores because everything was now legal. We didn't need the bad guys anymore. So the vast majority of the so-called senseless gun violence in the 1920s went away when we repealed prohibition. What I am strongly suggesting right now is that we can get, we can eliminate most, not all, but most of the so-called senseless gun violence by learning our lessons from American history. Prohibition did not work then. Prohibition does not work now. If you don't believe me, ask anyone you know. Say, uh, how, how do you think we're doing with this war on drugs? We've been doing it now for 50 years. And uh, do you know anyone, literally, do you know even one person who thinks that we're winning the war on drugs? I don't. I really don't. So that is the solution to the vast majority of the so-called senseless violence. It's, so much of it is drug-related. Not, apparently not, in the Sandra Parks case, this horrible, horrible tragedy. But overall, that's the real problem. And the thing is, the solution is so simple. We've already tried it, and it worked. I want to get your thoughts. Uh, my phone number, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. Dimitri Guest Hosting for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. For just the fifth time in Brewers history, baseball's MVP plays right here in Milwaukee. Take a look back at Brewers outfielder Christian Yelich's storybook season from a January trade all the way to the NLCS. That's this Sunday, 11, on WTMJ. Thank you so much for joining me. At uh, 1234, I want to talk with you about the Milwaukee Public Schools. If they're as bad as the state is now saying that they are, recent data certainly says, oh, man, these are awful, these are terrible. I haven't read any stories about anybody being fired, and I can't understand why. So we'll talk about uh, that. But right now, talking about senseless gun violence, it's really not so senseless in most cases, and that's because of this insane war on drugs. And what triggered this was this incredible tragedy regarding uh, Sandra Parks, 13-year-old, who uh, was um, uh, felled by apparently a random um, uh, shooting incident that actually had nothing, apparently had nothing to do with the war on drugs, but overall, the big picture stuff. Now, I've asked uh, people to uh, call. I've given you my phone number, 414-799-1620. I know it's difficult getting through, but we do have one line open. It is reserved for you. I'm going to ask you just for a few things, though. If you're going to be uh, one of my callers today, and again, I'm just guest hosting for one day for Jeff Wagner, but here's what I expect of you. Uh, if you are calling from a cell phone, please make sure you have exceptional cell phone connectivity, five bars or at least four bars, anything less than that. And frankly, you might not sound all that good, and I want you 
to sound spectacular. I really do. Also, uh, time is very precious. It is, it is invaluable here at this radio station, very popular station. Everybody wants to be on it for 101 different uh, reasons. So every second is, um, is very valuable. So I'm going to ask you to be laser-focused regarding what you want to talk about. Get right to the point. Don't chit, please don't chit-chat with me. Please don't talk to me about the good old days. Talk with me about the here and now. Of course, use your A material. Use the best argument that you can, or best observation that you possibly can, uh, can offer. And, uh, and, of course, don't violate the cardinal rule of all talk radio, and that is don't bore the host, or in this case, the guest host. So um, I hope we're in agreement here with that. I do welcome your call. Again, you can sneak in right now. There is one line open. 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We've got news coming up at 1230, but um, a little bit more about my beliefs regarding how we can end the so-called senseless gun violence. Uh, the media does, I think, a tremendous disservice regarding uh, this, this thing and calling it the way, it, uh, the way they're labeling it. The vast majority of the gun violence is not senseless. It actually does make sense in a perverted sort of way if you understand that the war on drugs is an absolute and utter failure. If you don't believe me, just ask anyone you know. I ask this question a lot of people. I ask them, well, how do you think the war on drugs is going? Do you think we're finally winning after 50 years? I can't find one person. This is not an exaggeration, by the way. I literally have not been able to find one person, even people in law enforcement, people who have the dare license plates or bumper stickers or whatever they have, uh, saying, oh, yeah, we're, we're actually winning the war on drugs. After 50 years, it's like, you know, I don't think prohibition is working all that well. I really don't. Uh, senseless violence uh, went way down when we repealed prohibition in the 1920s, or excuse me, we repealed it in the early 30s. And I think the same thing could happen here uh, again. Instead of turning this into a public safety issue, it will become a public health issue. And for those people who are abusing drugs and need help, and many of them, uh, many of them do, I don't think we should be throwing them in prison if they haven't harmed other people. I think we should be guiding them into therapy, into addiction uh, units at hospitals to try to get them help. Instead of turning them into criminals, let's turn them into patients and treat it like a public health issue. And that way, a lot of the senseless, so-called senseless gun violence goes away. It, it went away when we repealed prohibition back then. I believe it will go away when we repeal prohibition again today. Now, it's a simple solution, certainly not easy politically, but we're starting to head in that direction with medical marijuana and now some states are allowing recreational marijuana it's a and they're calling it cannabis of course so it's um we're on the right path we're on the right path again if you'd like to talk with me or to if you can't get through to text me it's 414-799-1620 the accurate mortgage talk and text uh line uh let's see here joel from uh, okay the problem is we have politicians uh, who think drugs are the devil and uh, will never legalize, uh, stinks that the ignorance of a few have to rule the whole country. Uh, that makes too much money. Keep it illegal. Uh, Joel. Well, uh, I don't think it's just a few politicians. I think the vast majority of Americans still aren't on board, but it's heading... We're making progress. We are making progress, and that's, uh, that's a good thing. Another uh, text coming in uh, during alcohol prohibition, cocaine, opium, hashish uh, were all legal. 
uh, not society norms, but if you knew where to go, you could purchase it. The war on drugs and making marijuana a Schedule One drug uh, were done to incarcerate black revolutionaries and anti-war protesters, all while the largest cocaine cartel was in cahoots with our own CIA, and on and on. And yeah, there no no question. In fact, uh, John um, uh, Ehrlichman. In his, in one of his uh, books, maybe an autobiography, I don't know, a former uh, Nixon um, main guy, he said the war on drugs was started by Nixon, uh, President Nixon, uh, to get at, to go after um, uh, black revolutionaries. They were terrified of the Black Panther Party and other black revolutionaries, and also the uh, hippies, two political enemies of the uh, Nixon uh, administration. And that's why they were pushing this war on uh, drugs. And uh, what a terrible... It's heartbreaking what has happened. Other than slavery, and this is not an exaggeration, I honest to God believe this, other than slavery, I believe the war on drugs has been the biggest threat to civil liberties in the history of this uh, country. Again, other than slavery. Look at our prisons. They're filled with people who are typically at the bottom of the food chain. Uh, poor minority members, uh, people who uh, can't afford good lawyers, and just on and on and on. Find me one human being who says, oh, yes, we're actually winning the war on drugs. And I'll, uh, you point me to that person and I will point you to a liar. The holidays are right around the corner. In fact, they're right here. Let me be the first to say Merry Christmas. Okay, WTMJ is back with its annual holiday radio show. WTMJ presents The Night Before Christmas, starring Gene and Jane and Jeff and a sleigh full of other Wisconsin celebrities from Turner Hall, downtown Milwaukee, on Monday, November 26th at 6.30. The live radio play is going to be recorded in front of a studio audience, and you, yes, I'm talking to you, you can be part of it. Buy your tickets now. There are only about 20 left. Go to WTMJ.com or text the word CHRISTMAS to 414-799-1620. That's Christmas to 414-799-1620. Um, Dimitri guest hosting for Jeff Wagner. We're going to be talking about the Milwaukee uh, public schools here in just a few seconds. But just one more thought with this. I guest hosted, I had the privilege of guest hosting last year as well in this wonderful, wonderful radio station. And that's when I first heard about the night before Christmas, their annual radio show here. And I didn't know anything about it. I thought, well, okay, that's interesting, but I, you know, I had no frame of reference. But then I heard it. I couldn't believe how good the writing was. The writing was exceptional. And then all of our performers, our audio performers, were it was it was electric, and the audience there was so into it. I am so so impressed with the production quality of all of this. You have got to be part of this thing. You really do. It is, and you got to hear it. It's it's fantastic. Other radio stations across the country should be doing this. They aren't, but they should. It is that darn good. Now, I want to talk with you about this story in the journal uh, Sentinel. Molly wrote it. The heading is, or header rather, is uh, Milwaukee again an outlier in Wisconsin where a vast majority of schools meet or exceed academic uh, benchmarks. That's a politically correct way of saying the Milwaukee City schools suck. I mean, if we're going to be honest about this. That's what we're really talking about here. Uh, more than half of Milwaukee schools met few or no state academic goals during the last school year. Now, that's according to a new study, uh, new data by uh, the state of Wisconsin. Now, this is the state's largest school district, and um, it's, again, rated by the Department of Public Instruction as meeting few standards, while the vast majority of schools across the state are meeting or exceeding those goals. The superintendent, uh, Keith Posley, 
in a statement touted the district's growth over the last school year despite the overall rating. He says, we are proud of the hard work of our students, staff, and families as we strive to improve outcomes for all our students and all our schools. We are dedicated to making sure every child in Milwaukee Public Schools has the opportunity for success. Well, that's lovely. But it means nothing. In fact, it's worse than nothing. With all due respect to the superintendent, what I wanted to hear is not, we're proud of the hard work of our students. What I want to hear from our superintendent, for any superintendent, Milwaukee City Schools, any superintendent of any public school system, what I want to hear is, I'm embarrassed. I am embarrassed by the abysmal, abysmal results that we keep getting year after year by the abysmal quality of education that so many of our kids are getting. I'm embarrassed for our teachers. I'm embarrassed for our staff. I'm embarrassed for myself. And we simply have got to do much, much better. Hard work means nothing. And frankly, I don't know how much hard work he's talking about here, but even if you are doing lots of hard work, which I doubt, you're not being graded on how hard you work. Clearly, you're being graded on your results, and the results, according to this story in the Journal Sentinel, based on Wisconsin uh, data, is that it's an abject, utter failure. Unless you know something I don't regarding the Milwaukee public schools, and you probably do. You probably do, and I want to hear from you. My phone number is 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Help me understand the one thing that seems to be missing in this story and so many other stories as well when uh, the um, subject of the story is a big city school system. In this case, the Milwaukee Public Schools. What is missing in almost every story that you've ever read about dysfunctional big city school districts, whether it's the Milwaukee Public Schools or others? What's the one thing that's almost always missing? Well, there is a lack of shame, of course, on the part of the administration, so I guess there are two things missing. So there's that, the lack of shame. And the other thing that's missing in this story and so many others is that nobody got fired. Nobody ever seems to get fired. Have you noticed that? If I'm the superintendent of the Milwaukee Public Schools, instead of issuing a statement, we're proud of the hard work of our students, staff, and families as we strive to improve outcomes, blah, 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 blah. I would say we're getting rid of this person, we're getting rid of that person, we're going to get rid of this person, get rid of that person. We seem to have a higher standard for the Packers than we do for the Milwaukee Public Schools. If a uh, head coach is not uh, living up to expectations, or any player for that matter, we replace them because the results aren't there. I mean, typically that's how it works. Certainly that's how it works in the business world. That's how it works in sports. That's how it seems to work everywhere except public school systems. Why is no one being fired? I don't get it. I really, I honestly, I don't get it. I need your help. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. Help me understand why nobody ever gets fired, no matter how bad the results. Dimitri for Jeff Wagner. WTMJ.
Yes, it is Christmas. Uh, can the green and gold finally pull off a road win? I sure hope so. My goodness, what has happened this season? Uh, voice the Packers, Wayne Larravee, uh, joins uh, Gene Miller for a full recap from Minnesota. That's 7.51 Monday on Wisconsin's Morning News. Dimitri Guest hosting for Jeff Wagner. Jeff will be back on Monday. So please uh, quit calling and complaining to the front desk about who is this guy. Get him off the air and all that. It's just one day. It's just one day. Uh, my phone number, 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, let's see, at uh, 1253, uh, the Remain Let Us Recall news is more proof that journalism is dead. Do not toss out that lettuce because I have a better idea. Now, don't eat it, but don't toss it out. I've got a better solution for you. I really do. That'll be at 1253. I have one line open. It's reserved for you. If you can't get through, then text me. I would love to read your text messages as well. 414-799-1620. I get it. Mortgage talk and text line. For example, uh, unnamed. I had a lot of uh, callers named unnamed. Uh, I am really surprised that the failing Milwaukee school system was not brought up in the uh, Walker uh, Evers uh, race, considering he was the head of the schools. Well, that would make two of us. So I've got to talk to Scott about that and go, why didn't you do that? Just thinking out loud, I'm wondering, well, as the, as the governor, uh, that would be um, Scott Walker's responsibility, too, I would think. But I don't I, I, I can't begin to understand politics. It just makes my head hurt. Republicans, Democrats, they're pretty much the same thing on many issues. So uh, we're talking about this amazing uh, story. Not amazing, but, but well, yes, it is amazing. It is amazing this, in this one sense, and in fact, two senses. The Milwaukee Public Schools, abysmal ratings yet again with the latest uh, data coming from the state. The superintendent is saying, again, direct quote, we are proud of the hard work of our student staff and families as we strive to improve outcomes for all of our students and all of our schools, which means nothing. We are dedicated to making sure every child in Milwaukee Public Schools has the opportunity for success, yeah, except you failed. Don't take my word for it. Take the word of the state. I mean, most of the schools seem to be, most of the public schools seem to be doing pretty well, at least by state standards. And yet, there's no humility here. There's no embarrassment here. There's no, why don't, why don't people get fired? We fire people everywhere else when they're not performing. But not when it comes to our public schools, especially in the big cities. I've never understood that. I, and it's, I think that is so unfair to the students, to the children. I think that is so, so terribly unfair. Now, in this story in the journal uh, Sentinel, uh, Molly writes that the state's largest school district, which has a student body living in poverty at a rate much higher than higher-performing districts, is again rated by the State Department of Public... Blah, 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 blah. They threw that thing in there, which has a student body living in poverty at a much higher rate uh, uh, than the higher-performing districts, as if that has a bearing. But it doesn't. Poverty is not the reason why students don't excel. When you look at new immigrants to America, especially if they're coming from the Pacific, you know, Asian type peoples. Or if they're coming from the West Indies. And there are different studies that I've read over the years. The parents are very poor. They don't even speak English most of the time. And yet, 
they have such an appreciation for education for their children that they make that their number one goal for their kids. They don't care how poor they are. It doesn't matter what kind of poverty they, they're, they're, they're living in. What matters is they care so much about education that they insist that their kids excel, and in many cases they do excel, and that's, that's a good thing. So the idea that, well, it's uh, you know, a lot of poverty and, uh, and certainly much more poverty in the higher performing school districts, and uh, from that we're supposed to infer, I imagine, that that's the reason why they aren't doing well, why the uh, Milwaukee City school, Public Schools aren't doing well. I don't buy it. I don't think there's anything wrong with minority students. I don't care if they're black or Hispanic or biracial or you know, whatever it happens to be. I don't think there's a darn thing wrong with them. I don't care how poor they are. I don't care. I believe they can excel just as much as anybody else can in, in any kind of school system. If they want it badly. That said, that does not uh, get the uh, um, take the Milwaukee Public Schools off of the hook. Far from it. I'm sure there are many, many people doing many, many things wrong in order for the Milwaukee Public Schools, which is a huge school system, to have such abysmal ratings overall. You know, it'd be one thing if it had, well, we've got some really, really great schools and some so-so schools and some really bad schools. I don't know if too many people, and again, please correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if too many people who think that there are a number of really exceptional schools in this really, really large school district. I just don't think there 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 are. Again, if if I'm mistaken, please help me. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Text me the response as the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. But nobody nobody ever gets fired. They've got job. It, it, it seems anyway that they have jobs for life. Doesn't matter how bad. Doesn't matter how whatever. When a superintendent's response to the abysmal ratings is, we're proud of the hard work of our students, staff, and family. Proud is the last word I want to hear you use. I want to hear humility. I want to hear anger. I want to hear personal responsibility. I have failed my students. I'm not going to hold my breath waiting for that, though. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Milwaukee should give uh, more money to their schools to support the poor areas rather than build uh, trolleys. Well... <laughs> I think everybody hates the hop. Have you noticed that? I think just about, except for the mayor, uh, really hates the hop. We'll be talking about that a little bit uh, later on. It's gone off the rails. This time, literally. All the other times, figuratively. Uh, But that's coming up later on in the uh, show uh, today. I have the privilege of guest hosting for Jeff Wagner. I'm Dimitri on WTMJ. Yes, Dimitri guest hosting for Jeff Wagner. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 414-799-1620. I want to talk with you about the Romaine Lettuce News that uh, really is just, it just shows you that journalism is dead. We have a lot of people, though, who want to talk about the uh, subject that we're talking about uh, last segment, Milwaukee Public Schools. Quickly, uh, Scott from Milwaukee, you're on WTMJ. How you doing there, Scott? Scott, you're on the air. Let's go. Yeah, oh, sorry about that. Yeah, I happen to agree with you 100% as far as the people, African-Americans, anybody. They should all, there's no reason why they shouldn't learn. Our system is so behind the times, it's not funny. If you get a chance, there's a, um, a, a, a thing you can watch on YouTube called The People versus the School System and mm-hmm. what, what's in school for me. 
And what it does is it shows you how the Netherlands and all these other countries are changing their whole school systems. Kids are actually loving to go to school. I shouldn't say loving, but, you know. Oh, yeah, well, there's the, there's the answer. There's the, Scott, there's the answer. I'm going to turn you loose, but thank you very much for your call. There's the answer. There's a great solution. Milwaukee Public Schools. Give them airplane tickets. Send them over to Amsterdam. And maybe problem solved. I'm guessing. you got to think outside the box. Well, at least that's one uh, one option. Dimitri Guest hosting for Jeff Wagner. One line is open. I want to talk to you about lettuce. You might be thinking to yourself, lettuce? Boy, you must be starving for uh, topics here, uh, guest host. Not really. Uh, the big news over the last few days is that uh, romaine lettuce has uh, the threat of E. coli, and uh, we should throw away all the lettuce. The CDC, the Center for uh, Disease Control, or whatever it is, the CDC, says toss out all the lettuce. And most, in fact, all of the news reports that I have heard and read all say the same thing. Don't eat the romaine lettuce. Okay, we agree on that part. But they all say toss it out. Because that's what the CDC said. And to me, that's just another example of how journalism is dead. Now, what does romaine lettuce have to do with journalism, you might be thinking to yourself? Quite a bit, actually. Quite a bit. Whenever I'm listening to these news reports, network news or whatever, uh, it's blaring at me from my dashboard as I'm driving. I'm going, no, 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 no. Somebody do some journalism. Somebody just do some. Just, 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 it's not hard. Again, do not eat the romaine lettuce because there's a threat of E. coli. Do not eat it. But don't toss it out. At least not until you hear what I'm going to suggest to you. Because no one in the media that I'm aware of has brought this up. And to me, this is just such common sense. Why don't you, instead of tossing out that romaine lettuce, why don't you take it back to the store and get your money back? Why toss out something of value? Now, you might be thinking to yourself, yeah, but who's going to do that? Well, I'll tell you who's going to do that. Three of the biggest grocery chains around, what, Pick and Save, uh, Metro Market, uh, Sendix, uh, Piggly Wiggly. I actually called them. I actually called them to make sure that uh, what I was going to say to you now, uh, could, I could actually back up. This is like Journalism 101. I just went to Google, did a search. I said, okay, uh, pick and save. So I called one at East Point uh, Marketplace and spoke to a lady there. And I said, look, uh, romaine lettuce, uh, can I just bring it back to you and uh, get, a, get a refund or a store credit? She said, sure. I called Sendix, Whitefish Bay. Lovely lady who answered there. Oh, my God, she was wonderful. She said, yeah, sure, absolutely. Just bring your romaine lettuce back. We'll give you, you know, give you your refund or give you a store credit. Great. I called Piggly Wiggly, well, West Oklahoma. Um, they said, uh, yeah, either a store credit or we'll you know, give you your money back or whatever. The bottom line is this. And it's going to vary from supermarket to supermarket. Some may be store credit. Some may be just give you your money back. Some may want a receipt. Some, most, I'm going to guess, probably not. The bottom line here is that journalists have become stenographers. If the CDC says, toss out your romaine lettuce, all the news reports that I heard anyway and read anyway... All said the same thing. Well, the CDC says toss out your lettuce. But basic journalism is just pick up your iPhone like I did, my iPhone 6. Do a quick Google search for pick and save and Sendix and Piggly Wiggly. Call a few stores and just find out if you could get, can we just return it and get our money back? And every one of them said, yeah, this is not hard. So, yeah, if you want to toss it, go ahead and toss it. Uh, I value money, though. (laughs) I actually value your money. 
And so instead of tossing and instead of doing what the journalist, whatever the news media is telling you to do, you might want to at least consider what this guest host is uh, suggesting that you uh, consider doing. That is, take it back and make some money. Get some of your money back. So, would you take your kid to see the Nutcracker even when the lead dancer is charged with domestic violence? We're going to be talking about the ballet, of all things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. At 134, the hop has gone off the rails this time, literally. Was it ever on track? I don't know. It's a streetcar not named Desire, except for uh, Mayor uh, Barrett. At 153, Milwaukee's first all-woman fire department. The media is saying it's the feel-good story of the year. Oh, this is all wonderful. All-woman fire department. Uh, It has me a little concerned. In fact, it has me a lot concerned, and I'm going to ask some tough questions, and uh, we'll see what happens. Now, if you'd like to talk with me, the phone number is 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm Dimitri, guest hosting today only for Jeff Wagner. Thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate it uh, greatly. All right, let's talk about the Nutcracker. More importantly, let's talk about the principal dancer, a uh, David Hovhaisian, I hope I'm pronouncing it uh, right, Hovhaisian, he's Armenian. This is really, really disturbing on many different uh, levels. The story is from the Journal Sentinel. Milwaukee Ballet principal dancer charged with domestic abuse. One of the longest tenured dancers in the Milwaukee Ballet appeared in court Wednesday on charges of domestic abuse. David Hovhanisen, a leading artist in the Milwaukee Ballet and a member of the company since 2004, was charged with battery and disorderly conduct after an alleged incident in Milwaukee. The charges are misdemeanors. According to the criminal complaint, he and his ex-wife who's also the mother of their four kids, got into an argument at her home. And then, according to the complaint, it escalated into a physical altercation. The complaint says that uh, Mr. Hovhaisen, and I'm sure I'm screwing up the name and I apologize for that, but I've always had a tough time with Armenian names. (laughs) I'm sorry, I just have. In any event, uh, according to the complaint, the allegation is, that he used a bath rug to whip his wife, ex-wife in the face. And then he slapped her with, a, and I'm quoting now, an open fist. And according to the allegation, he was saying, don't make me do this. There's, a, there's quite a bit there. The allegation is that he used a bath rug to whip the woman's face. The allegation then says he slapped her with an open fist. What exactly is an open fist? I thought the definition of a fist was that a hand that was closed. I don't know what an open fist is. I really don't. And then the allegation is saying, uh, don't make me do this. His lawyer is saying that um, Mr. Havhassian um, is being falsely accused. There's no evidence to support the charges. He's from Armenia, as we've established. And uh, he uh, he's uh, danced uh, principal roles in the ballet's performances. He's been rehearsing for the lead role of Cavalier in the annual run of The Nutcracker, which opens December 8th. 
That's in a few days. A lot of parents take their kids to see the Nutcracker. It's a ballet they can understand. Everybody likes the music. But here's the question. Would you take your kid to see the Nutcracker when the lead dancer has been accused of this domestic violence? I'd love to get your thoughts on this. 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Dimitri for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So won't you tell me you'll never guest hosting for Jeff Wagner. On WTMJ, phone number is 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate it uh, greatly. At uh, 135, uh, the hop has gone off the rails, this time literally. And was it ever on uh, track? Well, it's the streetcar not named Desire. We're going to be talking about uh, that. Well, look at the bright side. It worked fine for a couple of weeks. So... We'll talk about that. And then at 153, Milwaukee's first all-woman fire department uh, is making me concerned about uh, your safety. We're going to ask some tough questions. I don't have any answers, but I do have some tough questions. All that just in this hour. In the next hour, Aaron Rodgers' family, how dysfunctional are they? (laughs) Oh, man, oh, man. The more I read about them, the more I'm going, I can see why Aaron wants nothing to do with them. But that's for next hour. So back to the story here with the uh, ballet, the Milwaukee ballet. The principal dancer is a guy named uh, David uh, Hovhast. Let me tell on myself. During the commercial break, I spoke to my great producer, uh, uh, Jordan, and said, how does he pronounce his last name? And Jordan said, okay, try this, Hovhanesian. And I tried to say it, and I screwed it up yet again. And I'm sorry about that. Whatever it is with Armenian names, I've got a mental block, and I'm sorry. But it's a very serious story. He's the lead dancer, the principal dancer at the uh, Milwaukee uh, Ballet. And uh, he's been rehearsing for the lead role in the uh, Nutcracker, which opens December 8th. And I think this is a really important issue here. Because there are a lot of kids who are going to be taken to the Nutcracker by their moms and dads, maybe grandparents or aunts and uncles and all that. And the lead dancer is a guy who's been now charged with domestic violence. According to the complaint, he uh, hit his ex-wife's uh, face with uh, using a bath rug. And then he supposedly slapped her with an open fist. He's saying, don't make me do this. He's denying the charges, saying they're falsely accused. He says there's no evidence to support the charges. But apparently there was enough evidence, from what I read in this story in the journal Sentinel, that the, the cops said, yeah, we gotta, we got to charge this guy. Now, again, I believe in the presumption of innocence. There's no question about this. But boy, oh boy, when you've got this stuff hanging over your head, I mean, really? You're going to be the main guy there at the Nutcracker for all these kids? The Milwaukee Ballet, a spokesperson, according to the story in the Journal Sentinel, said that they're aware of the situation, but as a matter of policy, the ballet does not comment on personnel issues. This is not a personnel issue. This is a domestic violence issue. And I've got to tell you, I think the uh, Milwaukee Ballet, which is a fine ballet, these are fine people, but I think in this isolated instance, this is exactly the wrong approach to take. 
have we learned nothing from the Brett Kavanaugh hearings? That if a woman simply accuses someone of being a rapist, of being a sexual molester, of being, you know, whatever, that the woman should be believed. Even though nobody was ever charged regarding those allegations with Brett Kavanaugh. That was enough, almost, to keep him off the Supreme Court. Now, in this case, here in Milwaukee, you've got the lead dancer for the ballet who has actually been charged. Again, there's a presumption of innocence. There was with Brett Kavanaugh. There is with uh, with David. I'm calling him by his first name because I think I'm pronouncing that one right. But the Milwaukee Ballet, I believe, again, a fine ballet, fine people. I'm not picking on him. It's just this one isolated incident. You've got little kids who are going to be going to the Nutcracker. Do you really want them to see the lead dancer, a guy who's just been charged with these terrible things? I believe the Milwaukee Ballet has a moral responsibility to say either yes, we know these charges are serious, but we're going to put him out there anyway because he's our lead dancer, or say no, we have a presumption of innocence, these are accusations, these are not convictions, but given the nature of the Nutcracker, with all of the kids and Christmas and everything else, we don't want to muck it up with this, with this issue. So he is not going to be dancing in the Nutcracker. I believe the Milwaukee Ballet, again, a fine organization in this specific, narrow, but important instance, has not taken the right approach. The right approach is to address this issue. I mean, would you buy... I don't know if the Nutcracker sold out or not. I'm guessing it's probably sold out, but let's say it's not. I don't know. Let's just, for the sake of discussion, let's say it's not. Don't you think you owe it to Milwaukee to tell the people what they're going to expect? This is domestic violence accusations. I think the Milwaukee Ballet needs to step it up. Dimitri for Jeff. WTMJ. It's a Black Friday matchup at Fonsor Forum between the Bucks and the Suns. Our coverage of Buckshots with Ted Davis and Dennis Krause starts tonight at 7. The Bucks are just incredible. The Greek freak is, uh, is just unbelievable. I still can't get over it. You remember the 60 Minutes uh, story they uh, did on Giannis? I saw, I saw that clip where he jumps over. He jumps over a basketball player in the NBA, and it's. I, I looked at that. I can't tell you how many times. I still can't believe he did it. I still can't believe he did it. Oh, those Greeks are amazing. Anyway, I'm guest hosting for uh, Jeff uh, Wagner uh, later on today after the uh, news at uh, 1.30. On 1.34, uh, the hop has gone off the rails. I want to talk with you about streetcars and how utterly useless they have become. And um, we're going uh, we're to talk about that. Then at 1.53, the first all-woman fire department's getting an awful lot of great press. But uh, some tough questions need to be asked, and um, hopefully you'll have some answers uh, for them. I'm, you know, I don't feel reassured because it's an all-woman fire department. I'm not reassured uh, at all, but I can be persuaded. So we'll talk. All right, very quickly, let's start with uh, Jim and Johnson Creek. You're on WTMJ. How you doing there, Jim? I'm fine. Jim, you're on. I think you're. I think you're looking at it 180 degrees backwards. You know, yes, the man is uh, assumed innocent to proven guilty, and his and his uh, artistic performance has nothing to do with his, or I should say his domestic issues, have nothing to do with his artistic 
ability and performance. I don't think he's going to jump off the stage and hurt anybody. But I really, so I was getting back to your attitude about the, you're presuming him guilty till, uh, till proven innocent. And there's too much of that going on around, around the state. And there are women that have caught on to the idea that they can make up accusations and ruin a man. That's almost what happened to Judge Kavanaugh, whom you seem to hate. Well, no, I don't. And uh, thank you very much for your call, Jim. I appreciate it. I hope you have a great day. But uh, no, uh, this uh, David uh, Hoavnison has uh, been charged. I mean, these are just... just accusations are not convictions. And I've been stressing that these are accusations, but they're very serious accusations, so serious that the police have actually charged the man, and he claims he is not guilty. I, I get that. But the uh, ballet, should they, uh, should they still allow him to be the lead dancer for the Nutcracker with all the uh, little kids? I, I have grave reservations about that. I don't think the uh, Milwaukee Ballet, which, again, is a fine organization, does, and they do lots of great work, but in this narrow, specific Sensitive issue. They, uh, I don't think, are taking the right approach here at all. Essentially, they're saying no comment. But you've got a, the Nutcracker coming up on December 8th. You've got a comment. If you're still selling tickets, you've got a comment. If you're sold out, you've got a comment. What are you going to do here with this thing? What are you going to do? Now, if you're saying that, well, you know, artistic representation or whatever has nothing to do with whatever accusations, this, that, and the other, okay, fine. There's some very serious uh, accusations regarding Harvey Weinstein. Well, we should all go see his films anyway. Michael Jackson was accused of terrible, terrible things with little boys. We should set that aside and go, well, yeah, you know, he did all, he's been accused of doing all that. But we can still enjoy it. I don't know, man. It's, uh, I don't know. I'm not buying it. I don't know. Uh, let's see, um, we have, a lot of people have been texting, why do you ask for callers and never take callers? Well, I've taken several callers. We have a very limited amount of time, and I've got to pick and choose among the best ones. Uh, put the understudy in. That would be, uh, that would be uh, I don't know who the understudy is. I have no idea what that text is. And if you skip the Nutcracker for this reason, better to stop watching NFL games too. League is full of wife beaters. Well, hey, um, uh, Ray Rice. Uh, what about uh, him? What about um, uh, Ray Lewis? I mean, you can just go on and on and on. But I think it's a really, I just don't think that the Milwaukee Ballet is, is handling this the right way at all. The Nutcracker is primarily for kids at Christmas. This is a very, very serious uh, charge. These aren't just rumors. This is a charge here. And the uh, response, uh, essentially, that... Well, we're we're doing a no comment. I, I I don't think I don't think that's enough. I just I'm sorry. I really don't think that's enough. Maybe you do, um, but okay, fine. So anyway, so uh, after uh, the uh, the news around 134, uh, the hop, this streetcar to nowhere is uh, it, it 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 amazes me <laughs> in this day and age that we're even having this uh, this discussion. It's gone off the rails. Um, as the critics had all said that it would go off the rails figuratively. Well, this time it went off the rails literally. And two miles? It goes roughly two miles? That's it? They spent $130 million or something on this thing for two miles? Are you kidding me? <laughs> this can't be right. But I've checked and read so much about it. Uh, yeah, I guess it is right. So 
We will be talking uh, about that, uh, no question. Again, I can't take all the calls that come in, so uh, if you want to text me, 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. In the next hour, I'll be talking about Aaron Rodgers and that uh, bizarre family of his, and the more I read about his family, the more I can understand why Aaron Rodgers wants apparently nothing to do with them. And then also... um, I want to talk with you about food banks and soup kitchens. I think they should feed the hungry and nobody else. And that's actually a very controversial issue. And I will prove that to you. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. But the fire is so delightful. And For just the fifth time in Brewers history, baseball's MVP plays right here in Milwaukee. Take a look back at the storybook season of Brewers outfielder Christian Yelich. From a January trade all the way to the NLCS. That's this Sunday, 11 o'clock on WTMJ. What a year it was for the Brew Crew. My goodness gracious, what a great year it was. Dimitri, guest hosting for Jeff Wagner. Jeff will be back on Monday. Thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate it uh, greatly. I'll get to as many calls as I can. We'll also get to as many text messages as uh, as I can as well. The number is 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line at 153 the media is going all gaga over not lady gaga just gaga over the all-woman fire department the first all-woman fire department in milwaukee and we're all supposed to feel really good about that i don't but i could be persuaded to if i get enough answers Uh, but right now i've got more questions than anything uh, else that that doesn't reassure me an all-woman fire department it does not reassure me at all and the media is so busy building this thing up from everything that I've read anyway that no one seems to be asking any uh, tough questions, t- kinds of questions that I'm going to ask. And, and again, there may be simple answers, but I don't know what they are. So I'm going to have to turn to you for uh, for help. All right. R- right now, though, I want to talk with you about this streetcar, the hop. <laughs> it, it, it's gone off the rails this time. Uh, literally, it got stuck on the St. Paul Avenue bridge. Lots of delays. Uh, took about 30 minutes to clear everything up. It is unbelievable, this thing. It, they, they spent about 130, I've got the notes here somewhere, $130 million on this thing, $135 million, you know, crazy numbers, absolutely crazy numbers for two miles. So that, if, you know, if I do my common uh, core math right, and uh, let's see, that's a friendly number, that's not so friendly, uh, roughly $60 million a mile? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And in the story, in fact, one of the stories, the WTMJ Channel 4 story, it says uh, Milwaukee Streetcar, the hop, gets stuck. Okay, fine. Guess how many passengers, <laughs> guess how many passengers were uh, on the hop when it got uh, stuck? Take a guess. Nope, that's too many. Nope, still too many. I'll give you a hint. More than one. Two passengers were aboard, and they had to wait close to an hour. I don't know how long it takes for somebody to walk two miles, but I can't believe it would take an hour. It's like, I, to me, this is just, I, all right, look, do you get the sense, given all the costs and everything with the hop, and I know Potawatomi is paying for the ridership for the first year, which is wonderful. I think that's fantastic. But even with that, not all that many people are uh, getting on this thing. 
Uh, not many people at all. I got the story uh, right. Uh, let's see. I had it here somewhere. Uh, the numbers were actually really quite pathetic. Average uh, daily ridership, uh, 1,850. Now, you might think to yourself, oh, that means they had 1,850 people. No. No, 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 no. Uh, did some reading about this uh, to prep for the show today. And a lot of times with mass uh, media, public, major public transit uh, systems, uh, they have all sorts of exotic ways of figuring out uh, ridership. And they want to make it sound as big as possible because they want to make it sound as, uh, that it's as successful as possible. But ridership could include uh, somebody using it uh, twice a day, one going to work and then that same person coming back from work. Well, that's one passenger. That's not two. And they also, uh, some don't take into account transfers and uh, uh, passes and uh, people who had been taking the bus, for example, and now take uh, the hop, for example. Lots and lots of convoluted figuring that goes uh, into this. But I think the really telling thing is that this morning, or Wednesday morning, when it got stuck on the St. Paul Avenue Bridge, there were two passengers. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, that's just awful. It is just awful. Um, so the thing was working right for, what, a couple of weeks, and already they have to tow the thing back. It's, it's beyond belief. I, I actually wonder, not even wonder, in fact, I'm quite sure about this. I get the sense... that Mr. Rogers' neighborhood trolley is more efficient than the hop. Do you get that sense? Anytime I watched Mr. Rogers, that neighborhood trolley always worked right. Uh, now, admittedly, it didn't have as many passengers as the hop. Uh, the hop had two when it, when it was stuck on the bridge. The neighborhood trolley never had any, but it always ran. So, and here's the other thing, and this is really the, the, the bigger issue here. Have you noticed that many politicians still think as if we're living back in the 1940s or 1950s? That streetcars, oh yeah, that's the way to go, light rail. No, it's not. No, it's not. This is not mass transit. There were two passengers. You can't call that mass transit. You know what mass transit is? What is mass transit in our world, the here and now today? It's the automobile. Your vehicle. My vehicle. Also, other people's vehicles who are being used by Uber and Lyft. Why would you need a streetcar in this day and age when you have Uber and Lyft? We'll talk more about that in the hop, and I want to get your thoughts. 414-799-1620, that's 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Dimitri for Jeff Wagner. WTMJ. Black Friday is here, and uh, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Now, where do you find the best deals and what to look out for while you're out shopping today? These are all great questions, great issues. Well, John Bacure has the tricks to the trade at 3.50 today on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Dimitri Guest hosting for Jeff Wagner. Thank you so much for joining me. appreciate it greatly. At 153, going to talk with you about this all-woman fire department, the first one in Milwaukee, and we're all supposed to be really, really happy about this. The media is really playing this up. I've got a lot of serious questions that, uh, frankly, have to be asked, and I don't think they were addressed in these stories. In fact, I know they weren't addressed in the stories that I read, anyway, regarding the first all-woman uh, fire department, I should say, um, in um, 
in Milwaukee. Phone number is 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, after the 2 o'clock news, I want to talk with you about uh, Aaron Rodgers' uh, family. How dysfunctional are they? I think they're kind of nuts. And uh, also, uh, food banks and soup kitchens, they should feed the hungry. They should feed only the hungry. Now, you might think, well, duh, to be true, of course, that's that's actually a very controversial concept, and I'll share that with you at uh, 2.34. And uh, right now, a little bit more about the hop. I happen to like, when I was a kid, I really liked uh, streetcars. And uh, one of the things that uh, I would do as a kid is I would buy a Sunday pass. And the Sunday pass allowed me to ride on the streetcars all over the place. I loved them. I grew up in Pittsburgh, and um, there is a trolley museum outside of um, uh, the city in the suburbs, far suburbs, and they have lots and lots of streetcars, and, they, and they're functional. They all operate. It's a very, very cool place if you are into that thing. I was when I was a kid, but in this day and age, the idea of having the hop, having any kind of a streetcar is, uh, frankly, kind of ridiculous. There's, they, they simply aren't practical at all. Uh, ask anyone who's uh, who rides a a bicycle. Good luck when your tires get caught in those rails in the city. It's it's ridiculous. When it starts to snow and then ice and uh, the water turns to ice, oh the wires and all that. Uh, good luck with your streetcar then. Good luck with your streetcar. It can only go where the tracks take it. It can't go anywhere. There's no steering wheel. The operator has no steering wheel. I looked at this um, Journal Sentinel story, and they included a uh, video. I'm looking at it right now. It says, time-lapse, Milwaukee streetcar route. And there's that little triangle thing that's supposed to push that, and it'll, the video will start after, of course, a commercial. Well, I did that. I did that. And, silly me, I just assumed that the Journal Sentinel had somebody with a video camera the front of the streetcar, at the front of the hop. Because it says time-lapse, Milwaukee streetcar route. And there are the tracks and the pictures as if right in the middle of the track. Turns out it wasn't the streetcar. It wasn't the hop. It appears to be somebody's dash cam that was just driving, and sometimes they were kind of on the rails, and sometimes they weren't. And it was like, oh, really? So, streetcars make no sense. If you have any parked cars on the right-hand side, if one parked car or truck or any kind of vehicle is not parked just so and sticks out just a little too far, streetcar comes to a stop. When you have ice and snow with the wires, comes to a stop. And it can only go where the tracks take it. It can't make any changes. And when it went off the tracks, the streetcar route, there were only two passengers. There were only two passengers. None of this makes any sense, especially in an age with Uber and Lyft. Uber can take you anywhere, not just where the tracks take you. Lyft can take you anywhere, no matter where the, you know, where the tracks go for a, for a streetcar. It makes no sense. And we're spending, what, $60 million a mile for this? It's insane. Well, we'll get to as many calls as we can. Let's start with uh, Justin in Wabatosa. You're on uh, WTMJ. How you doing there, Justin? Hi, Dimitri. You offer a refreshing voice here, but you're being a little naive. See, the streetcar is doing exactly what it is designed to do, and I say that in, in quotes. 
Um, mm-hmm. Urban planners think that streetcars, even in the modern time, are great for achieving urban planning goals, where what they do is congest traffic, eliminate parking, make it more pedestrian and bicycle-friendly. Of course, the tracks are dangerous to bikes, but the idea is it slows right. down things, <laughs> keeps things yes. from going. So in many cities, they do this, and then they put the tracks down, and you're right. Things like Uber are much more flexible, or even the, the cute little trolleys that run on rubber tires are flexible. But when you put a streetcar down and invest all those hundreds of millions of dollars, Businesses know that they have to put things there because that's eventually where the people will go because it's committed to it. And that's why these urban planners do this. Now, is it good for the public? Is it good for transportation in general? Is it economically feasible? Absolutely not. But people are proud of what they've done. Some of these cities that Mayor Barrett toured, that's exactly why they put the streetcars in. They want to create almost like this 1900s environment where we were just short of horse and buggies. And, and, you know, it makes no sense in the modern times. But it's what they want to do, and some of them will admit it, others won't, but that's what it's all about. Yeah, in fact, um, I, I know they were chased, uh, I believe they were chased out of Milwaukee, those electric scooter things and those uh, bicycle share programs as well. Even they, as exotic as these uh, alternatives are, even they have more flexibility than, and certainly much less expensive than a streetcar that goes two miles, like $60 million a mile, roughly. Absolutely and, uh, yeah. I will tell you one Go thing, ahead. though, is that that infrastructure cost is included in that. So they had to build a big maintenance facility and everything to get it started. So it's not necessarily $60 million a mile, but to get it started, there was a big initial investment. But, yeah, it'll never pay for itself. Well, yeah, and it's going to be even more than $60 million a mile, I would guess, uh, because cost, as it is with that insane train system in California, just keeps skyrocketing. It simply makes no sense. And, again, you only had two passengers when the thing <laughs> crapped out. That's their excuse, as they say, well, and we need to send it to other places people want to go, and we can invest more money, and we can mess up more streets, and then we have a people-friendly city. <laughs> How long does it take to walk two miles? Oh, probably, I don't know, 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> it's... It's so insane. I'm going to turn you loose with Justin Thank, who's an outstanding call. We have one line open now. It's reserved for you, 414-799-1620. Uh, I want to talk with you next about Milwaukee's first all-woman fire department. Uh, the media says, oh, yes, you should be really excited about this. I'm, I'm actually concerned. And I'm going to share my concerns uh, with you. And, yes, they are politically incorrect. Dimitri, just, uh, me, Dimitri guest hosting for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Dimitri Guest hosting for Jeff Wagner. Thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate it greatly. After the 2 o'clock news, I want to talk to you about Aaron Rodgers' bizarre family and why he wants apparently wants very little to do with them. And frankly, I can't blame him. But right now, though, talking with you about this story that I found uh, on Milwaukee.com, it's about, uh, it's, it, here's the header. Uh, Meet Milwaukee's first ever all-woman fire department crew. Bobby wrote this. Uh, Earlier this month, Milwaukee Fire Department reached a notable landmark when, on the night of November 9, for the first time in the city's history, a section of the city was protected by the watchful eyes of an all-woman crew. Well, right there, it tells you this is going to be a puff piece. Oh, this is wonderful. This is terrific. You know, so it was protected by the watchful eyes of an all-woman crew. And it then lists all the women, which is, you know, fine. And then some experience that they have and this, that, and the other. Uh, right now, there are 25 of 708 sworn members of the department that are uh, women. And um, 
Station 9 is located, uh, let's see, the 7th Battalion and also quarters for uh, the Med uh, 4 Paramedics uh, Unit. We're supposed to be really happy about this. First ever all-woman fire department crew. Well, I would like to be happy if they're as strong as men. When it comes to being a firefighter, it is my belief, I've never been a firefighter, but it is my belief that strength is really, really important. If you're going into a building and you're trying to save somebody's life, you've got to be strong enough to lift that person, put that person on your shoulders and carry him out or carry her out. And uh, even more so these days with so many people being so morbidly uh, obese. I mean, this is a real honest to God issue. And I'm looking at the picture of these uh, women, the first ever all-woman Milwaukee Fire Department crew. Uh, and uh, I can't help but ask, think to myself, and I'm going to share this with you. Were the standards lowered regarding physical strength in order to have women join the Milwaukee Fire Department? Now, if the standards were not lowered... If these women can do the same number of push-ups and lift the same amount of uh, dead weight or whatever that male fi firefighters uh, must do in order to qualify to be on the force, then I think that's wonderful. I really do. I think that is uh, great. And I would be uh, just as reassured with an all-woman crew as an all-male crew or a um, crew made up of men and women. But it's been my experience over the years in reading lots and lots of stories about how uh, it's important to get uh, uh, women involved in uh, different fields that have been just dominated by men, including the military, uh, that the standards, physical standards, the physical standards had to be lowered. Because let's face it, women, generally speaking, are nowhere near as strong as men. They're nowhere near as big. They're near, nowhere near as strong. There's no, they are nowhere near as fast. If you don't believe me, just watch the Olympics because there's a special category for women and or watch tennis or watch golf. There are special categories for women because through no fault of their own, they're nowhere near as big and as strong and as fast as a typical uh, typical men happen to be. So in this story, I mean, they're going on and on about how this wonder, this is so wonderful, and look at these pictures, and it's life-affirming, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. I want to know if they are going to keep me safe. I want to know if they're physically up to the challenge. I want to know if the standards, the physical standards, the physical strength standards, were reduced. I hope they weren't. And if they weren't, then I, uh, I applaud them, I think. It's fantastic. But reading about so many stories regarding service academies and uh, in the military, so many, just so many, so many, so many. The first thing that I thought of with this is that, you know, if they had, if the city has lowered the physical standards for women to make them firefighters. Well, again, I'm sure that looks fine in a news story and makes everybody feel good. But if, God forbid, I was in a burning building and I saw an all-woman crew come by, I wouldn't feel so good. And again, I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope and pray that I'm wrong. But that is my fear, and that was not addressed in this story. You get the sense that Aaron Rodgers has a really good reason not to be close to his family. 
Could his brother possibly be a bigger jerk than he already is? We'll be talking about that. And at 2.34, food banks and soup kitchens should feed only the hungry. Now, that does not sound like a controversial statement, but believe me, it is, and I will prove it to you. And that at 2.53, should welfare recipients be required to work to get their handouts? Well, Governor-elect Tony Evers doesn't seem to like that idea. I wonder why. Let's start here first with um, Aaron Rodgers' brother, Jordan Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers, God bless him, uh, he's from that area that had all the problems with the wildfires and all that. Uh, so he sends out this tweet. Uh, please take a minute to watch this, and if you can, take a few seconds to retweet this using the hashtag retweet for good. All the money goes to a great organization for the immediate needs and the recovery efforts for the hashtag campfire paradise. Thank you. Uh, hashtag Butte Strong. Hashtag Pay It Forward. And there's uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Butte Strong. And he donated, I think, was it a million dollars or something? Yeah, about a million dollars toward the recovery efforts. God bless him. I think that is uh, fantastic. And then there's Jordan Rodgers, his brother. He sends this snarky tweet. He's retweeting Aaron Rodgers' tweet about, you know, help out and all that. Again, Aaron Rodgers donating a million dollars. But Jordan Rodgers, his brother, he starts to tweet with, please donate, spread awareness, and send love. But then he has a note for Aaron. But when your own mom is home alone during the fires car packed, ready to evacuate, and you miss the fundamental first step of compassion, calling your parents to make sure they are safe, dot, 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 everything else just feels like an act. That's Jordan Rogers. And yes, he has a blue check mark also on Twitter, <laughs> which I had no idea who this guy was. Turns out that he is a uh, some type of a commentator on, uh, I think, SEC football or, or whatever. A lot of bad blood. SEC Network, yeah. A lot of bad blood there with this family. So I started, you know, trying to find out a little bit more. You know, what exactly is this Aaron Rodgers family? What kind of family is he coming from here? And the more that I read about this family, especially the the dad, the uh, chiropractor dad of his, the more I could understand why Aaron Rodgers would not want to have anything to do with them. This is from a story in the Daily Mail uh, about a year or so, uh, about a year or so ago. Fame can change things. Aaron Rodgers' chiropractor dad speaks out to confirm he's not spoken to his son in over two years after the NFL star started uh, dating Olivia Munn. Uh, I guess now he's dating uh, Danica Patrick, I think. I don't know. He hasn't checked with me, so I I, I can't say for sure. All right, so... um, the story starts out that uh, spokesman for the NFL MVP told Rogers he was going through great precautions not to make things worse by opening up about the family spat. But that did not stop his chiropractor father, Ed, from opening up about the drama. Now, this is his dad essentially throwing him under the bus. And here's the thing that just jumped out at me. Despite saying at the beginning of the interview, Daily Mail, um, that he did not feel it was appropriate to talk about the matters publicly, Rogers Sr., confirmed reports that the family and Aaron have not spoken since 2014. Well, I don't think it's appropriate to bring this up, but yeah, we haven't spoken. And then he, then he really starts. This is his dad, a chiropractor, Ed Rogers. Direct quote here from the story. 
fame can change things. It's complicated. We're all hoping for the best. Airing public laundry is not what I would have chosen, but, there's always that but, it's good to have it all come out. No, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. We'll talk with you more about that. Uh, is your family as dysfunctional as this family? Uh, how do you feel about Aaron Rodgers? How do you feel about his uh, jerk brother, uh, Jordan? Give me a call. 414-799-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Dimitri Guest hosting for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Dimitri Guest hosting for Jeff Wagner. Jeff will be back on Monday here on WTMJ. Phone number 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 414-799-1620. If you can't get through the lines, then please text. 414-799-1620. Talking about uh, Aaron Rodgers and his dysfunctional family. At 234, I want to talk with you about food banks and soup uh, kitchens. They should feed only the hungry. That's actually a controversial statement. Really, really controversial. And you'll figure out why when I tell you after the news at 234. Then at 253, uh, Governor-elect Tony Evers uh, doesn't like the idea of welfare recipients actually having to work to get their handouts. So we'll talk about that as well. Right now, the more about the Aaron Rodgers uh, family psychodrama. Uh, their brother, His brother, uh, Jordan, comes across like a world-class jerk. I mean, really, just a world-class jerk. Aaron Rodgers donates a million dollars to help with the uh, fire um, uh, tragedy there in uh, uh, Butte and uh, Paradise, and that part of the California. And the brother is uh, saying, well, in his tweet, you should have called mom and see how she, you know, should have seen how she was doing. I mean, just snarky beyond belief. And I think the dad's worse. The chiropractor dad, Ed Rogers, he says, fame can change things. It's complicated. We're all hoping for the best. Airing public laundry is not what I would have chosen, but it's good to have it all come out. Good for whom? Your son, Aaron? How is that good, Dad? One line open, uh, what do you think of this family? Uh, the, the more I know about this family, the more empathy I have for Aaron. I really do. I, I really I really do. Let's start with Dave uh, from Milwaukee South Side. You're on WTMJ. How you doing there, Dave? Oh, pretty good. Uh, hey, I think money has changed Aaron, though, in the last two or three years. You didn't say that, though. I think the money, How? I mean, 10 years ago, Aaron was maybe different, but in the last couple of years, the money has changed him a lot. How do you know? How do you know? Uh, How do you know just, that? Just by public uh, statements of his and his attitude and that. I, that's how I judge that, yeah. His public statement, like giving him, donating a million dollars to help these people, that type of public statement? No, there's other things with his family for years and years, years before that that... All right, Dave. Thank you very much for your call. I appreciate it. Got to got got to move on here. Jeff uh, Fox Point, you're on WTMJ. Huh? What's going on with you, Jeff? Hi, Dimitri. In my opinion, everybody in this situation is wrong, including Aaron. The family is wrong because they're talking about it publicly, and Aaron is wrong because he needs to understand that if he really is doing what they say he's doing, then he this is the only family he'll have, and they're not well, going to be around for, it, forever. It may not be a very good family, based on what uh, chiropractor dad is saying here and uh, his uh, brother. I mean, there are a lot of families, I have to tell you, there are a lot of families that don't deserve 
good sons. Aaron Rodgers, from you know, from the little that I think I know about him, is you know a pretty good, decent guy. Or else, believe me, everybody here would have heard about it by now. I think this family is just awful from everything that I've read, especially the dad. Fame can change things. He's telling the media this. And that, you know, airing public laundry is not what I would have chosen, but it's good to have it all come out. Really? Really? I don't well, think this is a very good family at all. Well, it, it doesn't sound like they're dangerous or anything really all that awful. You know, every every family has things about them that other family members will want to change, but they're... You know, they still embrace them and, and see them for Christmas and not, pull, you know, do the stuff that Aaron, Aaron is doing that, that people seem to think is acceptable. Well, the only thing that he seems to be doing is staying away from a very toxic situation like they uh, have here in this store. Now, thank you very much for your call, Jeff. I appreciate it. I've got to move on here. That the uh, family left two empty seats for uh, Aaron Rodgers and his partner, Olivia Mum, at the uh, some dinner that they had, uh, I think around Christmas or something like that. Uh, they left two empty seats. They knew they weren't coming, and yet they uh, still left those two empty seats. And this Jordan, uh, in fact, one of the text messages that uh, we got here, uh, let's see. Uh, how much uh, did Jordan donate? Sad to see jealousy from the brother and poor parenting from the dad. I'd stay away, too. Amen, brother. Amen to that. 414-799-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Dimitri, guest hosting for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's a Norwegian dish that's a holiday favorite. And no, I'm not talking about a young Liv Ullman. Gene Miller dives deeper into the history of Lutefisk. That's at 621 Monday on Wisconsin's Morning News. I'm de- oh, oh, I almost forgot. I almost forgot Gene's blog. Uh, if you have a chance, uh, make the time, actually. Read Gene's blog. It's about uh, autumn. It's uh, no hope, no change, November. Gene's blog, Autumn Melancholy Settles In. And in there, he quotes, uh, he has a, quotes a poem uh, by uh, poet uh, Thomas Hood. And it's all about... November. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but <laughs> it's actually pretty good. So make sure you read Gene's uh, blog. No hope, no change. November. Autumn melancholy settles in. Dimitri Guest hosting for Jeff Wagner of WTMJ. Uh, 2.34 after the uh, news with Rusty Milberg. Well, I want to talk with you about food banks and soup kitchens. I think they should feed only the hungry. Sounds like a common sense thing, but actually it's incredibly controversial. And you will hear that um, after the uh, news today. And then at uh, 2.53, Governor-elect Tony uh, Evers uh, doesn't uh, seem to like the idea that welfare recipients should be required to work to get their handouts. I wonder why. So we'll be talking about that as well. Right now, though, more about Aaron Rodgers and his dysfunctional family, his toxic family. In this uh, story from the Daily Mail last year, uh, this uh, chiropractor dad of his uh, comes across like a bigger jerk than even uh, Jordan does. His dad uh, says that, uh, regarding Aaron, fame can change you. When asked by the Times if there have been any signs of progress in the uh, reestablishing the relationship with his son, the dad, Ed Rogers, said, it's hard to tell sometimes. Really? Really? Now, it'd be one thing if Aaron Rodgers had gone Hollywood with everyone and said, well, I'm Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you must know who I am. And just, you know, didn't deal with, you know, the riffraff of, you know, the the people like you and and me and all that. But in this story in the Daily Mail, that's uh, that's not what it uh, indicates at all. It says here, but Aaron Rodgers' separation from his family in recent years has not come at the expense of other relationships in his hometown. I think this is really, really 
interesting and really insightful here. It's just the family. It's not Aaron Rodgers going Hollywood. The newspaper spoke to a Mark Cooley, uh, the uh, football coach at Rogers' alma mater, Pleasant Valley High School. Cooley revealed that Aaron Rodgers um, has been more than generous to the Pleasant Valley Vikings. He's purchased 100 helmets for the team in 2012. But it was earlier this past year that Aaron Rodgers did something for the team that Cooley said he would never forget. Again, this is 2017. Um, the Vikings made it to the uh, state 4A title and went up against St. Anthony of uh, Long Beach. And Rogers, not Aaron Rodgers not only helped pay for the former school's travel to make it to the big game, he also recorded an inspiration message for the players. In the video, the Packers uh, star uh, was wearing a Pleasant Valley cap and T-shirt and told the team, you guys have accomplished so much this season, you've got a lot to be proud of. Have fun out there, relax, and trust your instincts. And the Vikings went on to win the championship in overtime. And the coach there said the kids were in awe that he knew what they were doing and took the time to acknowledge it. Does that sound like a bad guy to you? Sounds like a pretty good guy to me. The people who come across as remarkably, remarkably bad guys are the two members of his family who decided to throw Aaron under the bus. His brother with that snarky tweet, oh my goodness gracious. And again, you know, one of the uh, text messages was, oh, well, how much did uh, Jordan Rogers donate? And the dad, the dad especially. Well, it shouldn't be airing dirty laundry in public, but I think this is good. These, ugh, ugh. no, I don't think so. Uh, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it uh, at all. Uh, if anybody... Excuse me. If Aaron Rodgers had gone Hollywood or gotten a big head or whatever, uh, chances are really, really good that we would have heard about it from um, current teammates, former teammates, other people, uh, certainly uh, throughout our listening area. Uh, you know, when someone who is that big, that successful, that, you know, Aaron Rodgers-ish, everybody would know everything about him or darn near everything about him. I haven't heard anything. Have you? I haven't heard anything bad. Haven't heard anything bad at all. But just reading these comments from his family members, and the, the family knew he wasn't going to come. He and Olivia Munn weren't going to come for dinner, but he had, they had two empty seats anyway. Talk about passive-aggressive. Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, whatever happened to him and Olivia, by the way? Boy, she's looking at a picture of her here. Very nice. So there's that. All right. Uh, phone number is 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. The Acunet Mortgage uh, talk and text uh, line. Uh, you know, there are a lot of families out there that are very uh, toxic. I mean, really, really toxic. And they think, well, that, you know, because you're part of our family, you have a duty to show up for Thanksgiving and Christmas. You have a duty to talk to us, no matter what we have done to you, or no matter how badly we've behaved, or anything like that. And if you don't do that, you're at fault. I don't think so. I don't think so. My theory is this, that regarding most people, most of the time, it takes an awful lot for somebody to essentially turn his back on his family. It takes an awful lot to do that now every once in a while the guy's going to be a jerk and whatever but the vast majority of times the man 
or the woman, I think has really, really good reasons for turning his back on his family. And the more that I read about Aaron Rodgers and these incredibly toxic family members, I, I've got to believe... Uh, Got to believe he's got a good reason. Uh, one of our um, um, uh, listeners, uh, Steve, writes, uh, he's with Danica Patrick, and she's prettier. Well, I don't know if she's prettier than Olivia Munn. I mean, you can't go wrong either way, <laughs> I would say, unless you have Danica Patrick uh, driving when you're going out to dinner. But that's a different story. All right, um, after the uh, news, then I'm going to be talking with you about food banks and soup kitchens that should feed only the hungry. For just the fifth time in Brewers history, baseball's MVP plays right here in Milwaukee. Take a look back at the storybook season of the Brewers outfielder Christian Yelich. From a January trade all the way to the NLCS. That's this Sunday, 11 o'clock on WTMJ. Dimitri guest hosting for Jeff Wagner. Jeff will be back on Monday. Thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate it greatly. Phone number 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. One line just became available. 414-799-1620. You can sneak in. Also, you can text me. Uh, I want to talk with you about food banks and soup kitchens. They should feed only the hungry. I want to talk with you why that's a really, really controversial statement. You wouldn't think it is, but it is. But there is this text that came up regarding the last segment when I talked with you about Aaron Rodgers and his, uh, his dysfunctional family. And I'm good for him that he's staying away from these toxic just evil, not evil, but just just jerk people. Uh, that's, let's see here. Uh, totally agree with you regarding Aaron's family. Uh, it should be noted that Aaron has not lashed back and has not commented ever since this started about the time of his dating Olivia Munn. I think she was the issue. Well, I agree with everything there except the last sentence. I think she was the issue. Olivia Munn, I can tell you right now, uh, is not the issue. Never was, never will be. Uh, and it is very telling, and I, I think this uh, person who's texting us uh, unnamed is uh, is right. It's, what's really telling about this, one of the things that's very telling, is Aaron Rodgers is not bad-mouthing Jared or his family. He just isn't. He's taking the high road. He apparently wants nothing to do with them. I can't blame him based on what I've read about his family, especially what Jared did with that, that snarky tweet. Oh, my goodness gracious. You know, if you want to, excuse me, Jordan, did I say, uh, Jordan, my bad. Um, if Jordan wanted to tell Aaron Rodgers that, hey, dude, you should have checked on mom, you should have called mom with all the fires and all that, he could have done it privately. My guess is he knows how to reach his brother, at least his brother's agent, and get the message to his brother. But no, he did it very publicly to make Jordan, make uh, Aaron seem like a jerk. But Aaron was not the jerk here. Aaron was not the jerk. It was Jordan Rogers who's the jerk. And of course, the dad, of course, uh, too. But this thing with um, Olivia Munn, uh, the, the one person who's texting us, uh, I think she was the issue. She, she was never the issue. Now, how would I know this? I don't know Aaron Rodgers personally. I don't know any of these people personally. None. But I can tell you this. I do know what a good family would be like. A good family would never let a girlfriend, no matter who the girlfriend was, even if it was uh, Lucretia McEvil, I mean, whoever, would never let a girlfriend get in the way of the family dynamic, not to this degree. They could disagree about Olivia Munn or Danica Patrick or whoever, 
but never, never get to this. And the mere fact that this family has gone public with this, even if there was some sort of issue with Olivia Munn, which I'm sure there was not, you don't do it publicly. You absolutely don't do it publicly, especially when you're talking about Aaron Rodgers, who is a public figure, whose reputation, everything, it's, it's just so important. Now, these are, this is a toxic family. This is absolutely a toxic family and has nothing to do with any woman that Aaron Rodgers uh, ever dated. No, no question in my mind about that. None. All right. Now, let me um, shift gears here. I want to talk with you about food banks and soup kitchens. Chances are you've seen a million... Uh, Oh, um, oh, God, we get so many calls, and then, then people are texting me, you're not taking enough calls, you've got to take some calls. Right, let me take this call, and then I'll talk about the food banks and the soup uh, kitchens. Let's start with uh, Bill in Greenfield. You're on WTMJ. How you doing there, Bill? Hey, I'm doing wonderful. Happy Thanksgiving, and uh, thanks for taking my call. Well, thank you, and Merry Christmas to you and yours. So what, what do you think about this uh, toxic family of Aaron Rodgers? Well, you know what? I think it's absolutely ridiculous uh, that this is even going on. I mean, it's, for his brother to come out and do that, number one, he probably only got the opportunity on The Bachelor or Bachelorette or whichever it was out of name recognition from Aaron. And then nobody's taking into account what type of lifestyle they have growing up. I mean, maybe this was Aaron's opportunity to, you know, to, to set flight to, to a toxic family, a toxic environment. Some of us have, yep. have had to deal with that in our, in our lifetimes. And to put it out there like that, I think it's a cheesy move I do. No, no question. Thank you very much for your call, Bill. I appreciate it. One line has just become available. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, then after the short break, I will talk with you about why food banks and soup kitchens should feed only the hungry. You're going to see 101 different stories about this uh, throughout the holidays, about, oh, this soup kitchen, this food bank, we need more food. we uh, got so many more people coming in, and we've got to help everybody. No. No, no, no. Dimitri Jeff, uh, Dimitri guest hosting for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Dimitri guest hosting for Jeff Wagner. Jeff will be back on Monday here on WTMJ. For just the fifth time in Brewers history, baseball's MVP plays in Milwaukee right here. Take a look at this incredible storybook season for the Brewers outfielder Christian Yelich. Amazing, just amazing. From a January trade all the way to the NLCS. That's this Sunday, 11 o'clock on WTMJ. Amazing story, the Brew Crew. Just amazing story. Okay, uh, more people keep wanting to talk about this Aaron Rodgers thing and his toxic uh, family. And um, we've got a, a, a text that just uh, came in from Jim in Port Washington. You don't know the Rodgers personally. Yet you have all the answers to their problems. Well, yeah, and what's your point? Um, you don't need to know the family personally. All you need to know is how the kind of messaging that they are uh, creating publicly. And when you look at these stories about the, the dad, the chiropractor, who said all these just terrible things about his son, and about uh, the brother, this guy, uh, Jordan Rogers, who does this remarkably snarky, snarky tweet. It says, uh, when your own mom is home alone during the fires, car packed, ready to evacuate, and you miss the fundamental first step of compassion, calling your parents to make sure they are safe, dot, 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 everything else just feels like an act. This is Jordan Rogers. I don't need to know anything else about him. Right there, this tweet says it all. 
It says it all right there. Right there. And how much money did uh, Jordan uh, donate? Because Aaron Rodgers donated a million dollars. And uh, Aaron Rodgers is staying close with his uh, high school football team and helping him out and donating money to them. And, uh, I mean, that's, that, that, that's a toxic family. I'm telling you, that is a really, really toxic family. They could have done all of this stuff and had their issues with Aaron Dunn privately. When they went public with this stuff, that told me all I needed to know about that family. And it has nothing to do with Olivia Munn or Danica Patrick or anyone else. It has nothing to do with Aaron Rodgers. That family is toxic. And I'm using their own words to make the case. That's all there is to it. All right, 414-799-1620, the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, uh, this doesn't seem like it would be a controversial, I'm going to shift gears here, doesn't seem like it would be a controversial issue, but um, I found that it really is. Food banks and soup kitchens should feed only the hungry. Nothing controversial about that. That's what they're supposed to do, right? Well... You look at all the news reports, especially the stories during the holidays, uh, soup kitchens, food banks, all that. Oh, we, you know, we're, 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 we're feeding the people here. We're feeding hungry people, and we need more food because, you know, we just don't have enough. We need more donations. It's pretty much all the same story. So there's a finite amount of food, a finite amount of money. I'm not sure the federal government, you print more, but for the rest of us, it's a finite amount. And there never seems to be enough to feed all the people. Well, I have a solution. It's a very simple solution, and I've shared it with you a couple times now in this past hour, and that is food banks and soup kitchens should feed only the hungry. Because, again, there's, there's only so much food. Why would you feed someone who is not hungry when your mission is to feed people who are hungry? To that end, I want you to think now. Think about virtually every news story you have seen regarding people at food banks and soup kitchens. I wish I had a dollar for every news story that I saw or pictures that I've seen of people at soup kitchens and food banks who are there to get the free food who happen to be very large people. They do not look emaciated, if you catch my drift. Now, I don't care what kind of shape you're in. It simply doesn't matter to me. You could weigh 900 pounds for all I care. I simply don't care. You're an adult. You live your life the way you want to live your life. Eat whatever you want to eat. Don't eat whatever you want to eat. That's your business. I don't care. I don't care about any of that stuff. But if I'm a soup kitchen and I have just a certain amount of food, why on earth would I give any of that free food to people who clearly, it's self-evident, that they have had more than enough to eat? Why? Let me illustrate it with an extreme example. Let's say I've got one can of peas. Right here. Here's one can of peas. Two people come to me saying, hey, I'd like a free, that free can of peas. I want to eat them. One person looks emaciated. 
His clothes are hanging off of him. He looks like he couldn't weigh more than 95 pounds. He looks as if he's on death's door. Now, the other person looks robust, big, strong, maybe overweight, but certainly not malnourished. Now, I've got one can of peas. Who should I give it to? Of course, the person who is malnourished. I wish I had a dollar for every... I'm, I'm telling you, and you see this every year, you see this. People who are very, very large, who are overweight, large, whatever. And again, whatever you want to weigh, whatever you want to... That's your business. I don't care. I really don't care. My only issue is this. These soup kitchens and food banks keep saying that they want to feed the hungry because people need to eat, and, this, and that's fine. God bless them. I think that's fantastic. But in the same breath, they say we need more money for more food. Well, stop giving food to people who clearly are able to get more than enough food. And that way you'll have maybe enough food, maybe even an excess amount, for the people who really need it. I mean, honestly, does that sound like a controversial concept to you? And yet when I bring this up, like I brought up yesterday at Thanksgiving dinner, oh my gosh, somebody was going to throw it, it looked like they were going to throw a drumstick at me. But it makes perfect sense. Again, if you just distill it to that one can of peas and you got two people, somebody who looks malnourished and somebody who looks overweight, what makes more sense when you have a finite amount of food? Watch the news stories. Watch the news stories. And you will see, I can, I can virtually guarantee you, in fact, I'll bet you your last dollar, that you will see stories, people who are very, very large, clearly have more than enough to eat, standing in line to get the free food that should be going to the malnourished. And I think that's a shame. I, I, I really do. Dimitri for Jeff, WTMJ. Dimitri guest hosting for Jeff Wagner. Jeff, will be back on Monday. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. We've got John McCure coming up, Wisconsin's Afternoon News. I'm looking for John right now. I'm he's probably seeing him in a couple of seconds. Uh, but, uh, again, well, more text coming in regarding this Aaron Rodgers thing and his toxic family. So let me go back to that. Let's see here. Uh, donating a million dollars towards fire victims in California all the while not checking up on your mom, speaks volumes and is inexcusable rather than you want to hear about it or not. Well, first off, donating a million dollars is, I think, incredible. Aaron Rodgers did that. He may or may not have checked up on his mom. Let's assume that he did not. He may have tried. And with all the phone lines and everything else, you know, being down, you know, heaven only knows. But, uh... The whole point of this toxic, toxic family is they decided to air their dirty laundry in public and try to make Aaron Rodgers look bad. You know, there's got to be, I mean, I, the, you know, the more I think about this, there's got to be a really, really, really good reason or a series of really good reasons why uh, Aaron Rodgers has a limited, con well, apparently, limited contact with his toxic uh, family. I uh, just... Sorry, I'm just not buying it. I'm not buying it uh, at all. The idea of it being inexcusable. I, I, you know, he's he's not fired back. All the crap that his brother's been giving him, this, uh, you know, Jordan Rogers and all that, and his dad, the chiropractor dad giving him, all in public. Aaron Rodgers, to his everlasting credit, and I mean, the more I think about this, the more respect I have for Aaron Rodgers as a man, as a person. I mean, clearly, he's a you know, great quarterback. 
Too bad he doesn't have better teams around him so he can win more Super Bowls. But just as a guy, that's a, that's a, that's a really impressive guy. When your family is taking shots at you and shots at you and shots at you in public and you don't fight back, that tells me a lot about Aaron Rodgers. It really does. It it really does. I'll tell you. Hey, look, before I get out of here, I want to thank an awful lot of uh, people who have made uh, all of this uh, possible. And I want to start, of course, with uh, show producer here, uh, Jordan uh, Gazeroski, who, uh, again, thank um, Steve for loaning his show producer to us. Uh, Jordan was absolutely fantastic. Appreciate it uh, greatly. Um, thank uh, Nick and really everyone else. Oh, John McCure, uh, Wisconsin's uh, Afternoon News. So, John, what do you have in store for us today, huh? 